We okay, to... sorry. We're starting over. My hair was like up on the chair, like <laughs> cascading. That's this normal, funkiness. This is perfect. <laughs> Your hair's got volume. <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, third time's turn. All right, welcome to the Value Script. I'm your host, Lonnie Carmichael. Today we have in studio today, dining room table studio, that is, <laughs> my lovely wife, Meredith, once again. And with her in studio, I wanted to talk about our history, why we're together, why and how it's possible for her to continue to like me after I'm <laughs> continually who I am day after day to her um, and how amazing she is and, and one of the reasons, some of the reasons we have been able to be married and celebrate. We have just celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary. Which is significant. And that's pretty fantastic, it's, it's right? It's significant. Yeah, we've... 20, 23 years sounds like a decent number, but you just mentioned it's significant. Why did you mention that the way you mentioned that? that is <laughs> you know, the number's significant, but you meant a little more than that, didn't you? I did. I did. We've, we've been through some difficult things and, um, and, and definitely had moments where I think neither of us thought that we were going to make it and be able to stay married. And um, So just, just this last, our anniversary is uh, March 13th, and so just this, this last celebration of being married was really... It was strong and it was powerful and, and meant so much to me and, and I'm sure to you too that we were doing so good and I feel like we're finally thriving after being in survival mode for quite a while. We're doing great. Thank you. So, yeah, uh, thank I feel you. the same way. I thought this anniversary felt more significant than probably almost any other anniversary, maybe yeah. other than our first anniversary when we were starving college students and I scraped all my quarters together and I took you to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. You remember that? Yeah, I do. And we don't even yeah. think we could afford dessert that night. Right. And, yeah. uh, and it was, and I was stressed out about how much this bill was going to cost <laughs> and whether or not I had enough money to cover it. Um, but I wanted to have a, a special night. I wanted to put effort into and have it be something that was memorable. But so Meredith, where does our story begin? Okay. So we grew up together. Um, Grew up in Buckeye, and um, our families have known each other for generations. I moved into your ward at church when I was three, you were five, and um, my... It's been true love ever true since, love right? ever since, yeah. <laughs> that's wild how long you guys have known each other, actually. Yeah, right. it is. It's That's not common, for sure. No. For sure. And I, you know, like, growing up, his... Mom was my young women's president. His dad was, or my dad was his young men's president. My grandma taught him piano. Um, Wait, what? You're, so your whole family has known each other? Yeah, like that. Yeah, they're friends. They're like, wow. Known each Did other we tell you it was an arranged marriage? For so long. No, it, it was not. <laughs> it's about as close as not. you can get, though. Like I'm, I'm telling you. Both our parents were adamantly, and it almost drove us apart. Actually, both our parents were adamant that we marry each other. Like my my, I got home from my mission, and I was I've been home. I've been gone for two years. I come home and within a couple weeks, I think it was the next Sunday that I was home, uh, her dad, uh, we had an opportunity to go do service for somebody after, right after our church meeting and driving home from doing that service. Uh, he leans over and tells me, hey, just so you know, just in case you're wondering, I don't even know if this is on your radar, but just in case it is, you totally have my permission to marry my daughter. How old are you? I was 21. And, uh, and when this is two weeks after being home from his mission, like, I mean, yeah, he was I haven't still even afraid been able to at, date, talk to girls, point. call anybody on the phone where, for two where full was years. Your mission? Seattle, Washington. Oh, okay. 
Seattle, and I was at, at going to school at um, Eastern Arizona College, and and his parents would call me because I was dating somebody else, and they're like, "Why are you dating that boy? Like he's about mm-hmm. to come home from his mission." And my roommates are like, "It's those people that want you to marry their son." So, <laughs> well, well, how did that work for you? So, my parents called because they were trying to be um, protective of their interests selfishly really and how did that work it was that um, effective or was that well it was hard honestly like it um i think everyone was pushing so much that it made it feel like okay wait a minute like we can make this choice like, like it wasn't we can, natural we, yeah we can figure it out and um and we did and and my mom sent me a letter she was like meredith's about to marry some other boy you need to write her <laughs> and, I, and and really the way the mission rules worked at the time we were only able to call home for Christmas and Mother's Day. So Did you say write you a letter? She yeah. wrote you a letter? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So we really couldn't speak on the phone, and yeah. we didn't have email. It was pre-email. Yeah. And so the only way to communicate was writing letters. Get you a page? So, yeah. So mm-hmm. once a week, we'd, I'd write letters home. We had our preparation day, so we do our laundry and do grocery shopping and all the other things that we didn't normally do on the days when we were out proselyting or doing the service. Gotcha. Um, but So Mondays were our, our preparation day. And so then you would take time to write letters. And my mom sends me this letter. You need to write Meredith a letter. And I'm like, so I started to get this sense and of, you know, I'm not here. I'm not in contact with anybody, but I kind of started to get a sense. And I really feel like it was, it was from God. He helped me feel um, kind of what the landscape was that Meredith was under a lot of pressure to um, basically wait until I got home to not pursue a relationship that she was pursuing and, and she felt conflicted from both sides because her family wanted her to marry me and my family wanted me to marry her. And really neither, we weren't even in the same state and hadn't been for the last two years. And so, um, Meredith was away at college and she had a relationship that was, um, it was great. It was, it was good. It, it was, was, it was a good relationship. There was nothing, there was no negative there. And, um, and he'd ask you to marry him multiple times. Yeah. And, and I got this sense of in the letter Well, what did I write and how did it work? Oh, it was just very um, supportive in the fact that like, you're going to make the right decision and you, you're the only one that can pray about it and receive answers for yourself. And, and I have every confidence that, that you'll do that and, and it'll work out. Whatever's supposed to happen is, is going to work out. And I wrote it objectively. It wasn't like, you're going (laughs) to be able to pray and know you need to marry me. That wasn't what I was saying. I knew that's the pressure she was feeling, even from the guy that she was dating and, and in fact, that he had prayed and like, I, I, God told me you're my, you're supposed to be my wife. You just haven't gotten the answer yet. Keep praying. You'll get it. And I knew that she was kind of going through those things. And I just said, look, I, I have faith that God's going to help us. Like if we're supposed to be married, we'll be married. And if you're supposed to marry somebody else, he'll help you know that. And the only person that can get that revelation from God for your life is you. And so. I, Which you know, was genius, by the way, because then I was like, oh, he's so wonderful. Oh, my gosh, that was so, so amazing. <laughs> it, yeah, it was great because everybody. Do you still have this letter? I have all the letters. I All the letters. I saved, I saved in, in order. She in wasn't binders. a stalker before. No, <laughs> no I really was, kind of was. Like, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, was, I was a little bit obsessed. So you still have the letters, honest. though. Yeah. That's awesome. All the letters, which is really neat. My parents did this. frame the first they, one. Right? I know, totally. <laughs> my parents wrote letters back and forth when my dad was serving his mission, and my mom saved all the letters. And so, anyways, that's kind of neat. But anyway, so... So got married. Yeah. Well, and I kind of felt the same pressure and it was stressful. It's like, I needed to be focusing on the work I was doing and, and what I was being a missionary. 
I didn't need to be focused on home girls and Meredith, her relationship drama, and all that stuff. I kind of felt the same thing. Like I can't put energy into this right now. I'm just going to have faith that it's in God's hands. It's going to work out the way it should. And, and if I come home and she's married to somebody else, I wasn't supposed to marry her and it'll work. It'll work great. And, um, when I got off the plane, she was the first person I saw. Really? And, yeah. And the next day was Thanksgiving. And then the next day after that was, uh, I was on a tractor for 12 hours and she was too. She came and rode with me and we spent pretty much every day, day together. Um, until you went back to college, uh, through, yeah. Through, I went, yeah, I went back just until Christmas breaks. So it was just a couple weeks, two, three weeks and then came back and, you know, growing. So growing up, I just want to, so you came back, I guess we need to, uh, we should finish that thought. You came back from college for Christmas break. And I thought, okay, I really like this girl. She's phenomenal. She's somebody I've always considered as wife material, for lack of a better term. Um, and I know that she had pressure to marry somebody else. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to lose her um, because I, I just wanted to make sure that I expressed to her how I felt. So I went and bought a ring. And I proposed 23 days after I got home from my mission. I always swore I would never be that guy. <laughs> I always swore I'd never be that guy. But um, growing up, Meredith was a type of person that never compromised her standards to gain popularity and or to fit in. And because of that, she spent some time alone in high school. It was really kind of a hard time for her. She didn't have a lot of friends. She didn't, again, wouldn't go to parties because she had standards that prevented her from doing that. But and and then she also had a lot of responsibility at home. She had six siblings, five siblings. Wow, five siblings. Your, and um, her youngest has a cardiac issue that um, spent a lot of time in the hospital, a lot of surgeries, almost didn't make it through multiple, you know, early life events. That's another episode. And her, well, her parents mm -hmm. spent a lot of time with that, you know, and so Meredith had to mother and parents, a lot of her siblings. And in fact, the, uh, the sibling that we talked about in the past episode about how amazing she's done in her professional life you largely raised her through a lot of reformative years and i observed that and i thought i want to marry somebody like meredith it may not be meredith but i want to marry somebody that's like her someday because she's an amazing woman she's going to be an amazing mother she's going to be an amazing wife so you're seeing the qualities from a distance absolutely yeah and we you know just because we knew each other since i was five and she was three and that's 39 years that i've known you which is yeah, crazy huh? crazy um, we didn't date much. We went yeah. out a couple of times, but we were never together, you know, like, like seriously dating. Yeah. Just she asked me to win her formal my senior year. My girlfriend of three years dumped me over that <laughs> because I went with Meredith to win her formal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, it was a growing experience for me. <laughs> um, that could be another podcast episode, but, <laughs> um, uh, that was that was a time of reflection and uh, it wasn't necessarily it was a time of reflection and growth let's just put it that way um but anyway meredith was available we got married i, I asked her to marry me and she said yes how old were you guys i was 21 okay 19 yeah we were too young probably yeah we were we were we were young you know and at the time like we'd known each other our whole lives it wasn't like we didn't even i mean we knew we extended family we we not like there's things we didn't know or didn't truly know each other but we were we didn't realize how young we were and how 
immature we were and and just life experience that we didn't have to be able to navigate marriage so now today looking back on it now that you have kids of your own are you guys against getting married that young i would definitely say we encourage to to wait to to, even if you do know each other even like it's yeah there's not against it but just like you uh you know what i mean I was going to say, I don't know that there is an ideal age, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And and it really, there's opportunity costs on each side of that. Do you get yeah. married young? Do you get married later? There's opportunity costs yeah. um, for both of those decisions. I think in my own personal experience, I was a little emotionally immature and um, didn't know that. I thought I was the man. I thought I was going to uh-huh. con- conquer the world, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And then life has a way of humbling you and teaching you um, things and um, starting with the winter formal, starting yeah, with right. the winter formal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, um, I've realized that I wish I would have had more emotional maturity when we were in our early married years. And we started having children fairly young as well. And as a young father, uh, trying to put ourselves through dental school, I say ourselves cause Meredith helped with every step of that Meredith taught piano um, lessons privately and uh, professionally um, while we were at Arizona state and I was finishing up my undergraduate work to be able to get into dental school. When we moved to Colorado to go to dental school, she continued to teach piano and helped continue to support our family financially that way. And um, that was a phenomenal help. But we, as we, I wanted to wait to have kids a little longer than we did. And because I knew it'd be stressful. When did you have your first kid? 10 million years of school to go through. Um, Our first kid was 2002. 2002. I think I was 29. I was 25. I was 25. I was in my first year of dental school. So that's pretty young to have your first kid. And 25 is not necessarily crazy young. You were what? What did you say you were 23? You were 23. I think my mom was 19, 20 years old when she had her, my brother. Right. But just for the situation, man, I was in the middle of gross anatomy and all my heavy didactic course book work for dental schools and is front loaded into the first two years. And we were, we just moved to Colorado. We're pregnant with Macy and I had started dental school. We had no family there. No, we didn't really know anybody, you know, strangers in the area. Meredith goes into preterm labor at 34 weeks. Um, And it was, it was a ride. Yeah, it was. I would, stressful. I would go, I would go, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd go to dental school, I'd come home, go to the hot, I'd, I'd come home, grab some stuff, I'd go to the hospital, I'd sleep and study and everything in the hospital, and I'd go to dental school, and it was like a, um, that, that was our life for a few weeks. Uh, for two weeks. We thought we were going to have a preemie baby, we met the neonatal intensive care unit nurses, um, the doctors are like, you're going to have a 34 week old child, they probably won't be able to eat on their own, they probably won't be able to breathe on their own. Um, this is what you're going to expect. And somehow we didn't have her for two more weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and she was came. healthy and perfect. Wow. I was going to say, Macy came and she was perfect. That's exactly what I was going to say. And she is still to this day. She is. In her she own special phenomenal. way. <laughs> you know, being, being a per- person from the outside looking in, it really shows that every single person goes through something. Right. You know? So listeners and viewers out there just know that they're like not alone going through whatever they're going through. Right. You know, 
you know, and yeah, with that, you know, from Macy's thing, we had health insurance issues. We had bills we couldn't pay. We had, I mean, I was making no income. I was a starving dental student, taking out student loans. We had tens of thousands of dollars of hospital bills because the insurance got sideways and it was a big mess. Yeah, it it was, but you know, looking back, that doesn't seem to be that big a deal. Right. 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 (laughs) Goodness. Yeah. But going through it, it was a mountain to move. Right. Uh, The perspective, you know, fast forward though, we, um, we have seven kids. Well, we have five girls, two boys, Mm -hmm. Addison, 17, Brecken's 14, Leighton is 11, London's 10, Brecken, or we already have Brecken's, Paisley's. I need, I need to look like I know all the names, babe, and the dates. I'm I'm winning the the Good Husband of the Year award right now. Let let me struggle with this for a second. Lift in your notes real quick. (laughs) I'm trying to make the brain work a little bit. Uh, Yeah, Paisley just turned seven and Briggs four. Fantastic. Now, you brought up in the last episode, though, you guys, you had thought that you had the perfect marriage in a sense. Yeah. You know, when... Like, how far into the marriage did you guys... I mean, I'm not saying you didn't have struggles at any point before that, but when did it really, like, you know, hit hard? So that's funny. That's a question as we've done reflection. We've been through counseling for the last three years um, pretty consistently and done a ton of reflection trying to figure out how did we get to where it was so bad. Yeah. And how do we not... Then And again, with the idea in mind, the reason we were reflecting upon that isn't to stay stuck there but to take the opportunity to learn how do we not go back there and how do we get out of there? Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's a different, I think the answer is different for both of us. I think for me, it started at a different time than it did for you. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, as, as we've gone through counseling and, and talked so much and we've realized a lot of the breakdown came early on from not communicating. Um, And we didn't even realize like, that's the thing that's, that's so hard. We, it didn't necessarily realize how each of us were feeling about different things that, that were hard. I'd say I, I totally, I, I think you're exactly right. Not only when were, were we not on the same page and understanding what the other was feeling like, but we didn't even, wasn't even in our mindset to realize that. And what we also learned and didn't know was how impactful your childhood is in your marriage relationships. And in all your relationships and how impactful your childhood is in your development and the expression of who you become as a person. And if you had trauma, sexual abuse, if you had, um, maybe you had the best parents in the world, those, all of those situations play into how you perceive the world and what your brain thinks and what things trigger you into an emotional state of not being able to think clearly. And I think I had a background um, that there, there, there was a little bit of abuse, not, not by my parents. Um, just so nobody has to wonder, um, it was not my parents. Um, but there was some abuse there and I had, my parents did the absolute best job raising me as I feel like they knew how to do. And I love them very much and I'm very grateful for them. And we have a phenomenal relationship with them, but, um, there was a little bit of trauma and just the way that my, my, my perfectly imperfect parents, even handled some things was triggering and they didn't know any better. You know, my mom um, lost her father when she was eight years old in a car accident and her mom had, and you know, they, she had these two girls to raise no provider any longer. 
she became an alcoholic. My grandma became an alcoholic and a chain smoker. And um, that affected my mom significantly. And she is a survivor. She And really, she's a warrior to me because rather than carrying on the generational curse, she saw it good in her life. She gravitated towards the church and her faith helped sustain her through some ridiculously bad, hard times. And she has turned out phenomenally well. Um, you know, my, my dad was, was raised by a, by a phenomenal man that had no idea how to express love. And one of the things he, when he got married, he asked my mom, I need you to teach me how to express love. I want my kids to know that I love them. And one of the things he shared with me about his dad was that he was a good man and he loved, he knows his, he was loved by his father, but his father only told him he was proud of him and that he loved him one time. He can remember significantly. And it was when, was when he left on his mission and he was leaving for the language training center and his dad told him he was proud of him and he loved him in that moment. And he said, I'd always knew that he loved me, but that was significant to finally hear it. But I never wanted you to wonder. And so my dad made a point to tell me that every day. And that, that's something that we try to do in our own relationship. Um, we, at getting back to the question though, around 2013 became difficult for me. And that was also, uh, it's been stressful professional, you know, for me. And then um, I started getting cues in our relationship that led me down a negative mental path around that time. And um, they were messages and cues Meredith never intended to send. But ultimately, I just felt as though um, I wasn't as regarded as I wanted to be. And so, you know, I even started taking steps to better myself. So I thought, well, maybe if I wasn't fat and bald, and I can't change one of those things, so maybe I need to lose some weight, right? I, I, can't, I can't grow hair, but maybe I'll grow, lose weight. So I went on a keto diet, and I lost about 50 pounds. I started working out, lifting weights, and... Um, and becoming more attractive, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, <laughs> did not help things, right? It didn't fix the problem. And, and, it, and really, I think largely because I really didn't recognize that there was a problem. I didn't, I mean, I, we would certainly have talks and things and, and arguments, for lack of a better word, where, you know, things would get heated and I would realize, like, he's not necessarily happy right now, but I kind of it, always attributed it to... The stress of the moment, not necessarily, not necessarily a, a foundational crack in our relationship or that you were not feeling regarded or loved or that I was into you or, you know, things like that. And so the perception that you had because of our, I guess, lack of communication, I guess, like I didn't realize how significant that was. And um, that and so that was the beginning, I think, of of things getting uh, more more distant maybe is a good term I don't know Meredith with that in mind I we have we, looking at the clock we don't have enough time to go through the rest of this so we're gonna have to continue this on another episode so stay tuned for the next episode of the value script <laughs>